0: hello. Welcome to the latest episode of Rob Ryan Red, the Wrexham podcast brought to you in association with Red 10 People Development. You join us in the final week of the transfer window, the final chance for Wrexham to buy and sell players. But sadly, the only price they've paid this week is the price for some poor officiating as they were knocked out of the Carabao Cup by Bradford. We'll bring you all the reaction to Wrexham's Cup exit and we'll look ahead to the upcoming trip to face Chamia and the upcoming Papa John's debut against Newcastle. A have special guests from either of those clubs to, to give us the lowdown on those teams. I'll we'll also bring you the latest transfer news ahead of Friday's deadline as well. I'm Rich Faye and I'm delighted, as always. To be joined by Mr. Nathan Salt. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, very busy week,
4: as you can imagine, in our jobs deadline week, uh, final end of the window. I'm very intrigued. I actually think it's a big few days for Wrexham. You know, I saw um, some talk, and I know Moyne had spoken to a fan outside uh, and said himself that. Yeah, he's probably another month, five weeks away. He's still in in some discomfort, which you know, no one's going to begrudge him that. He's broken a lot of ribs and punctured his lung, which thankfully, hopefully, a lot of us never do that. Um, I'm all right, yeah. Just very busy and, and very intrigued to see how Wrexham get on um, this week in terms of incomings and outgoings.
0: Yeah, it's got it is an interesting one, isn't it? Because I think particularly after the the defeat to Bradford, which we'll get onto now. Maybe, I mean, after a defeat, you're always going to be a bit more pessimistic and write some players off. We said that the early round win against Wigan on penalties showed us how much squad depth we had. The defeat to Bradford has almost flipped it on its head and now we're saying, have we got the right quality? <laughs> uh, you know, if we won last night, I'm sure the conversation would be very different. But I do think that there are some legi- legitimate sort of questions to be had. But before we sort of get onto the negatives, because you know it's a Rexham podcast, you have got to be negative. Haven't you? <laughs> I would say been very impressed with Mark Howard in the two games he's played. You know, uh, obviously the draw against Barrow at the weekend, he's pretty assured. Absolutely nothing he could, could have done about Aqua's goal. Anyone trying to blame that on Howard is just, just have a day off. Oh, it's just nothing on Howard R- at all. Rich
4: also, well, I mean, that is an unbelievable finish by Emile Aqua. I think he's a, a really smart picker. Was he at Made Ned last year, I think? Uh, maybe. Uh, so he, He's going to be a great pickup for them. But a quick, quick shout out, and I don't really want to plug this kind of nonsense, but it needs calling out. The um, I don't know what it's called. Some, whatever the BBC Cumbria podcast is that covers Barrow and Carlisle, Labeling Wrexham supporters embarrassing for going up to, um, for those that went up to um Barrow need to just take a reality, take a a, a dose of reality and get get a check themselves, a reality check themselves, because that's a load of absolute guff. Um, you know, Brad, Barrow's attendances have been duds over the years, and so to come at Wrexham for, you know, calling out the fan base is embarrassing and um, you know, bandwagoners and all that. It, I just thought it was a load of a load of nonsense. I called out on on the Twitter account, and you can see that, and you can go give him hell. But um, yeah, Mark Howard mate, great. I think he's he's been much much calmer and and kind of settled things down a bit. And all right, we haven't been keeping clean sheets, but I like said nothing he could have done about the Barrow goal. And I mean against Bradford, a penalty is a penalty.
0: Yeah, some good saves in one on one situations in sort of Commander's area pretty well as, as well. Yeah? I mean one on ones whenever they're not sort of finished, you can always just say the keep the striker have scored, but. Credit to Howard for closing down the angle. I thought just in general from the clips and the highlights I watched that he looked good. I'd also say Aaron Hayden. The penalty is an absolute joke. It's criminal. I saw people saying it's a war crime. Get them to the Hague, those officials, because that was that was diabolical. Aaron Hayden, a little bit rusty, but you know he's coming back from injury. I'm not worried about that whatsoever. Another goal for Boyle. Delighted with that. And Luke Young, my God, he doesn't know how to choose a music playlist, but he knows how to take a corner kick, doesn't he? Great delivery there for, for Boyle's Head. And the final shout-out, Ollie Palmer. I think there was a period where he, was, you know, he lost his place in the team last season to Dolby. He's arguably the first name on the team sh- sheet right now. He is, he's incredible. He just looks rejuvenated, Oli Palmer. He's a, a joy to watch. He's reminding us all why it was such a big deal that we signed him initially and why Wimbledon miss him so much. He's been brilliant.
4: Yeah, I mean, I put a post on our Instagram page um, about Oli Palmer and said, you know, he has to play now. There's there's no attacker in that squad that offers the kind of presence up top that he does. Bickerstaff, Dolby, Waters, none of them can provide you the focal point that Oli Palmer will give you. Uh, and even Mullin, when he gets back, I mean, Mullin's got so many um, strengths. He doesn't offer the kind of uh, brute force and kind of hold-up play that... That um Oli Palmer offers you has to play, uh, and you saw the difference when he came on. You know there was just that added dimension that you weren't getting with Bickerstaff and Dolby last night. Um, so go give that graphic some love if you want to also bask in the quality that is Oli Palmer. Um, yeah, Rich, it made me laugh. I mean, I, I'm, you know, I've been on the. If anyone who's been listening to this podcast all the time, I'm a big, big fan of the cup competitions. You know, I when I was younger, I grew up, I was always really attracted to the cup competitions i love the potential of what you know who you can play and i'm gonna be absolutely cursing our luck if bradford go and land a really plum draw now big premier league away there or something Uh, and we were a penalty kick away but that's the way it goes i guess um but yeah it made me laugh the the luke young pre-match playlist uh tommy kouse and others calling that a war crime um I, I mean, we have different music tastes, you and I. I feel like I don't know how to describe your music You're not taste. going to defend
0: the indefensible here, are
4: you? No, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to defend the indefensible. I'm going to get it up because I feel like some of those songs are getting way too much abuse. So this is, I'm going to read out. I can't play them all for copyright reasons, but this was Luke Young's pre-match playlist. So he went with How Will I Know, Whitney Houston featuring Clean Bandit, Follow Me by Uncle Cracker, Barcelona by Ed Sheeran, Brooklyn by Glockenbach featuring Clock Clock. No idea on that one. Dancing in the Moonlight by Top Loader, Brown-eyed Girl Van Morrison, One Touch Jessica and Jack Jones, The Sound by 1975, Lionheart by Tom Grennan, and Paradise by George Ezra. There's a couple. Of, I mean, I'm not a fan of all of those. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it out there, but I don't think is that the is that the worst list of music you've ever seen? I think, it, I
0: think so. Yeah, he definitely <laughs> is not the, the If he's the dressing room DJ, you're setting yourself no, up to lose there, everything. There's no, week. I'm sorry, there's Luke, no way. I love you, but there's no way he's the dressing room that DJ. Is. It's like he does his music shopping down Tesco Isles. You don't know I mean like... It's like you go to the... It's just... It's so generic and almost trying to be inoffensive that it's very, very offensive. I, hey, I'm def- uh, I'm yeah. going to
4: defend Van Morrison, brown-eyed girl and Dancing in the Moonlight. Like, they they're staples. They're classics. They're like kind of late-night karaoke, wedding, uh, disco kind of vibes. What's wrong with them? They're just not cool. Van
0: Morrison, I'll, I'll give you that, but dancing in the moonlight doesn't get you doesn't get you excited for for Carabao (laughs) Cup action does it I mean that's probably why we lost I mean yeah I love I I love you Luke but not for me he's off the duty there tell you what though I'm hoping that becomes a regular feature I want to see other players playlists in in the weeks ahead now I want to I want to get a better taste of of what they're choosing I mean
4: Rich we said um, I think I mentioned it to Humphrey or, or around that time when he came on recently that Remember, I was chatting to you on on WhatsApp. I think about the staff, uh, the 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 staff uh, penalties shootout challenge, and um, you know, little things like that, just behind the scenes. Even just knowing, I know Luke Young's copped a load of flack, and that got someone like you know over a quarter of a million impressions on Twitter. Clearly, did um, big numbers, but it's it's just good. You you wanna you wanna see little tidbits like that, little little behind the scenes bits that we didn't already know that now we know. Uh, Luke Young loves George Ezra, Tom Grennan, the 1975. Um, I don't, I, I don't actually know who will have the best music taste. I reckon someone like Bryce or someone like that is really down with the latest uh, cool songs. I would say that's my guess. I don't know. I'd love to know what
0: Rob Layton's got on his playlist.
4: That could be, that could be absolutely anything. Goalkeepers I always tend
0: to have quite radical selections, don't they? Do you remember Marcus Hanneman, the old Reading goalkeeper? I remember there being like an episode of MTV Cribs, and he was like a He's into heavy metal. I know David De Gea at Man United used to get pelters because he he loved Avenged Sevenfold. See, I don't know.
4: I don't know if Rob Lainton would be like one of those guys that would just, you know, drive along to training with country music. And for someone who is a big country music fan, I I'm, I'm not going to hate it. But I, don't, I mean, he could listen to anything from Slipknot to, um, probably Dolly Sugar Parton Babes. or the Sugar Babes, and it wouldn't surprise me. Rob Lainton is the, the ultimate enigma. I don't know. Uh, but her fingers crossed. We'll see. We'll yeah, see. Yeah. But uh, talking to you, other shout outs, you said Oli Palmer, you said Mark Howard, you said Luke Young. Aaron Hayden returning has to be a positive. And I think we saw as well, signing autographs outside, Rich, Jordan Tonicliffe. You know, they're not far away. We. It's really hard for me to make a, a conclusive judgment on this group until I see everybody fit. And we see, I mean, that's obviously hard to do and have every single person fit. But we've had so many missing pieces that we believe would be starting that, it's hard to fully, fully judge this group, especially with no Mullen and no Hayden and no Tony Cliff and, you know, no Jordan I Davis. I think that's and... the other point,
0: isn't it? That it is it is quite hard to have too harsh an opinion on some of these players because we've not seen the squad, like you said, at its very best yet. And of course, you've got to be able to adapt when your best players aren't there. Every team's got to be able to do so. But it it does just feel that the fact we've drawn so many games as well it kind of has affected the mood because only one of those was a draw where it felt like a point gained, which was the Swindon game because the man we came back in it. If we just had an extra win or maybe an extra two wins, I do think the mood would be a lot brighter around the club. And some of these sort of hot takes maybe wouldn't be so hot. I mean, I've seen, like you said, Andy Cannon and Dolby, for me, I've seen them get a lot of stick in the wake of the Bradford defeat, defeat, which was a draw. And it's always difficult to say was it a defeat or not because it was a draw and it's was a penalty shootout defeat. So it's almost two separate entities. So Andy Cannon, you know, I just don't think he functions from the start in this midfield very well. Not not when you've got Lo- Young and, and Jones there particularly. I just don't think you've got anyone who's taken the grip. There's just no presence whatsoever there. You need to have Tom O'Connor in, in midfield for me, you know, and Andy Cannon off the bench really, if, if possible. I just don't think he's maybe hammered down a starting role where he's at his best. I think he's good off the bench. He can help you have some calmness and composure in in the later stages of a match. But in terms of full 90, I still don't think that he quite fits in with our style of play perfectly. And Dolby, a very raw striker. Without his goals last season, we probably don't win the league. You think of Aldershot away, that is absolutely massive. You think of Coventry, what what a moment that was. But then you can flip it. Like I mentioned previously, you think of that miss against Notts County that almost cost us, Ben Foster's brilliant save. You think of the, the late miss against Sheffield United in that the, in the first leg of that FA Cup tie. If he buries that, we're into the next round and play Tottenham at home. I know it's all what ifs and maybes, but in some key moments, his sort of... I'm not saying immaturity is in he's immature, but obviously he's a very young, raw player. That has let him down a bit, but he's still got a lot of untapped potential you just wonder if the step up to league two and playing as regularly as as he will be this season if that's a bit too much for him but like i said i still feel a bit hesitant to go in too hard on some of these players what what are you thinking at the moment
4: yeah cannon's a funny one because it, it isn't a quality issue because he wouldn't have played as high as the championship if it was a quality issue. Um that's just that just isn't that cannot be true. It cannot be true that he is among this group that isn't good enough for League Two. No one can convince me otherwise. Um for me it it's it's a system thing. I don't think he works as the deep line midfielder in the three. The way we set up is 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 one six number six as a kind of deeper player and then two eights. Elliot Lee is allowed that freedom to move forward a little bit more. You kind of have the other eight is up and down, a little bit more defensive, which Luke Young probably works more effectively in that role. Cannon, I just think, is a square peg in a round hole right now. I know he replaced Elliot Lee last night. Just doesn't quite look sharp. Doesn't look razor sharp. And maybe, you know, maybe that is his game, a little bit more laid back. But right now... What I find with these some of these players, Rich, that I believe have got bags of talent, is they're so. I think I just feel like their confidence is shot to bits. Like I think a goal for Billy Waters or a goal for Sam Dolby w- would make the world a difference, and just a you know a, a man of the match display from Mandy Cannon, I think, would would turn a corner. Um, but at the minute, what you're seeing is kind of you know for example Andy Cowan didn't play well um the game before last before Barrow doesn't even make the squad for Barrow completely out of the squad Tom O'Connor's back in Went with Phil Parkey went with the midfield we 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 wanted didn't we O'Connor young and Lee that's what we thought w- would be the the three we'd go with first half they looked great we should have been 2-3 up we're not you know Palmer and and are and a little bit wasteful there and um, didn't put them away which has been the story of the season with all the chance we've created we then end up drawing like you say nothing we could do about, about their goal. The midfield maybe wasn't as effective in the second half. But you know, we 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 we've done this to death in recent weeks. Cannon is, is not alone. James Jones has had up and down performances, Luke Young has had moments. Um, you know, Elliot Lee's probably been that one consistency, one one model of consistency that we've had. Um but but yeah, between now and the end of the window, I don't think there'll be another midfielder coming in. I think it'll be I mean, this will probably bite me on the backside in, in, in 40 hours' time, but I think it'll be a striker maybe and a goalkeeper. But I think this is the midfield group we've got and we're going to have to find a way to get to get it working. And maybe, maybe Rich, maybe we just need to stick at a midfield for a bit because we're out the Carabao Cup, the EFL Trophy, the Papa John's Pizza, whatever it is called now, that is going to be an opportunity for minutes. But we're, we're maybe going to need to just stick with a trio now and let them let them forge relationships. Let them build that telepathy that you're going to need as the season goes on.
0: I, I agree with you there. That if you look back at our best spells under Parkey, you've basically been able to name the starting eleven beforehand. Maybe one or two positions where you're saying is it Ford or Barnett just to choose who's you know who's going to be on the right, what defence you're up against, and is it Palmer or is it Dolby? They were basically the only two sort of dilemmas we had last season you know, in, in sort of the later stages of, of who's starting. And now, yeah, maybe we are just struggling to really, because we have got so much squad depth and we are so spot for choice. It's almost a, a luxury of riches that you can't quite nail down who your best 11 is. And even now, I think lots of Wrexham fans would disagree. If everyone was fully fit, who's your best 11? I, I think there is a real debate there that not everyone would would be able to agree on. And certainly, I'd be interested to see what the most popular selection was because you get some people who love either fullback and hate the other one. Some people are team Elliot Lee, some are team Jordan Davis. There's probably some fans who still don't like Oli Palmer, despite him being our best player so far this season. The defence, you know, there's so many options there. So I agree with you, Neff. I think that the season is so young, I'm not going to get carried away, calling for players to be sold or dropped or the margins to be sacked or anything. (laughs) It's going to come good. We're going to be fine. Our best players and most influential players are coming back into the fold now. You know, you're arguably missing your best defender in Hayden, who's coming on his way back. Turner Cliff as well, because as we mentioned, only lost one match he's actually played for Exum that he started. And then Paul Mullen, who is Mr. Exum, our best player, isn't there. Jordan Davis, who's been, who started the season really well and looked rejuvenated, isn't there we know he's still got in 16 goals. So I think we'll be absolutely fine. And I agree with you, Nathan. that a lot of it's got to be confidence. And once we start winning one or two games and we get a bit of a run going, I think we'll be absolutely fine.
4: How big of a fan are you of Will Boyle meeting a header? Because I think he is a brilliant header of the ball. I mean, some of the headers he scored, not just the one against Bradford. Is it the one that opened the scoring against Walsall? They're, they're, they're not easy headers. They're not kind of like little flick-ons. They are across the box into the far corner bullets.
0: I would even say that he's actually better at headering than Aaron Hayden. Huge claim. In terms of finishing, in terms of finishing the headers. Aaron Hayden runs onto them with like a freight train, you know. He has all this power, but he doesn't always aim the header as much. As I think of so many times he's just raced onto the ball, headed over, whatever. Whereas I think there's a bit more craft about Boyle, but you know. Doesn't matter who, which team you are. I do not think there is a defence in world football that would fancy their chances against Wrexham from a long throw. If Tozer's, you know, firing one in, and you've got Boyle and Hayden under the ball, how do you defend that? We mentioned it on a previous podcast. How do you defend that? Because previously you might have wanted to double up on Hayden. You can't double up on Hayden and Boyle because that's four players out of out of the picture. So it is such a such a threat. Again, you could be negative and try flip it and say, "Well, we're not looking as creative from open play, maybe at the moment." You know, we haven't drawn quite a lot of set pieces this season to to have a threat. But if it is a threat and it's one of your best assets, why wouldn't you make the most of it? You know, I'm not gonna be not gonna be that negative. And yeah, I think Will Boyle for me looks like a, a great addition to this team and. The fact that we've got this aerial threat, even when Aaron Hayden's not not been playing, is is brilliant. Now we've got them both. Well, one thing, let the bombardment begin. Yes,
4: one thing I was going to say, though, Rich, is I and I'm I'm almost certain that this will happen. But I, and and again, this isn't a knock on him. He's just played a lot of football. I really hope next Tuesday in that under 21s game against Newcastle that I know he's got Newcastle connections. I know I'm sure he'd love to play. He loves playing every single game, but. I I'd, I think Ben Tozer needs needs a rest. He he's got to be taken out for his own good. He's played a lot of football. He played every game last season. He's, he has he missed a game so far this season. I don't think he has. I think he's played every game this season. He rarely ever gets injured. He is the cap. You know, he's the club captain. He's the leader along with Young. But I think you you've got to be sensible here. In that he is the elder statesman of that back line. I know the long throw is a weapon, and there's no replacement for it. And That is key to to the game plan but surely he's got to get a night off sooner rather than later
0: I agree I think even just to to see what the the long-term defense could be not without him but if he was to get an injury or to get a suspension how would we sort of cope without him I think I'm just intrigued to see to see how it how it'd function really I'd like to see a back three or maybe a back four know, playing against Newcastle we'll get onto them later I've got a guest who who gives us a bit of insight onto their youth team and Basically, they are one of the worst Premier League under 21 sides historically in, in the competition. So, you know, there may, might be a chance for us to change formation or try a different tactic. I know Parky's not too not too fussed about... Uh, I know sort of there's this conception that tactics matter a lot and formations matter a lot because we grew up, grew up in this football manager and FIFA era where it's all about what formation are you at? Is he a cam? Is he a centre mid? In reality, they're playing on the pitch and they've got to do their jobs. You know, they've all got individual roles, but... It's not quite a fixed formation. But I would be intrigued to see if we even play with two centre-backs rather than three. And yeah, I think that particularly that Newcastle game will be a good chance for for Wrexham to rotate. But Nath, we are in need of a bit of a mood lift. Tramir away this weekend. A packed away end. Big. Just about the closest thing we've got to a derby this season as well. For both clubs, it's going to be tasty. It could be a bit nasty. It sounds like the exact game that both clubs need Kickstart their season. If you think Wrexham's campaign has been a bit meh, Tramier's has been even worse. They're not happy with the managerial appointment they've made. They feel that their squad is a bit thin. They are 21st in League One at the moment. They have got three points from five games. They've lost their last three matches. They've lost to Salford. They've lost to Notts County. They lost to Leicester on Tuesday night. So what better time for Wrexham to rock up? to Brenton Park and inflict more misery on the home side. I was delighted to be joined by Tom Gill from the, I, I think about good podcast names name. I think Rob Ram is quite quite a good podcast name. Theirs is called A Trip to the Moon, Tranmere Rovers podcast. And I caught up with Tom Gill ahead of our clash this weekend. Mm. So Tom, thanks for joining us today on the podcast. I suppose the the question to ask, what have you made of Tranmere's season so far and what are the expectations for this
2: campaign? Well, expectations for Tranmere in League 2 are always going to be top seven. That's, you know, the fans' expectation is always going to be, we should be competing at the top end of the division. It's no secret that the past few seasons we just haven't been on it, not offering good enough. But in League 2, we are. Always expected to be playing with the top, top teams. Not far, it, it's not panned out the way we want. Uh, obviously, got rid of Mick Nella last season. He's gotten maybe stuck in a bit of ruts, not playing particularly exciting football, and made a change with all and Dawes, who was his assistant. And then, um, very, very unpopular decisions for him. Obviously, we all wanted to be well, but it started really, really bad. One win uh, and four weeks now. So, it's not looking great. He tries to play football, but um, he's very naive. And, yeah, at the moment, it feels like the squad is a little bit lopsided. And, uh, yeah, it's not been a great start, but obviously it's a 46-game season and anything can change. And I also think the league should generally is not that strong. So, it doesn't take much to fix up the league. You know, very often you'll have a team starts slow. You can't push up the division, so I'm not writing any.
0: Yeah, of course. a Win against Wrexham could be the perfect way for you to kickstart your season. Where does the where do, where do the rivalry rank between Chelmer fans? How, how much do they look forward to the chance to get one get one over us?
2: Obviously, I mean, like historically, we had a big rivalry with Bolton over the years, but Bolton have obviously more often than not had several divisions higher than us, and obviously for nearly two decades, Wrexham and us, we were in different divisions because you were in a non-league, but then we joined you in a non-league and it was nice to rekindle the, the, the rivalry, I'd say as rivalries go, it's probably the biggest rivalry we've got, we've got now and just like say Bolton are, are above us and Chester, obviously as you know, they're have dropping down. so, um, it's it's a big rivalry for us um, but I mean, this game is more than just the derby so, you know, we, we desperately need to get our season on track so it's a big game because, yeah, it's against Rex it's the big game because Ian Dawes desperately needs to get points on the board. Um So it wouldn't matter who we play this weekend. I don't think anything we than going to win is going to satisfy the parents. But yeah, as, as rivalries go, this is a big one for us. Uh, and it's, you know, I'm not going to be uh, false and say I'm glad to see us getting promoted back up to this level, but it is nice that we've got the rivalry back. You know, it, it is good to have a big, exciting game. You'll bring plenty of the parents mm-hmm. over there. And it'll be hopefully an exciting game and a, a good spec coming up.
0: In terms of stand up players, Chamir, and I mean Kieran Morris and Colin Jennings both played for Exxon previously. Are they still two two key players for this Chalmers side? mean, um, last season, our interesting enough our
2: two best players last season were our two robots and we've lost them both. And we haven't replaced either of them with real quality. Um so yeah, our right and our left class position, we've got average players playing there. and um, elsewhere across the pitch we've, we've improved in goal with and being goal, who is a proper goal but unlike what we had last season Keanu Morris is always going to be a good player he's struggled for fall at the moment but he's always technically been a very good player for us and I think when he finds form he's got to be dangerous for any opponents Connor Jemnens we've we played him in, in very next position already this season it's crazy what we're asking of him um, and I wasn't one of the fans who really wanted to see Connor coming back because I don't want to did want to sort of tarnish what he would achieved previously with us, but fair play to him, he's come in and he's probably been our most consistent player. Um, and I think, I think beyond that, look, we are really struggling to have that standout player who's got a four problems. Our player of the season last season was Josh Hawks, he's a, he, he's quite a young, lad, he's quite well rounded. He's a good attacking player, can play on the wing and play in an attacking role. Um he's probably our main threat, but again, he's been out the squad as well, he's not been starting so. Um, we're at a bit of an identity crisis at the moment, trying to work out what type of team are we going to be, um, and, and who, are, who are going to be the chief players, and who are going to really step up and be counted this season. So at the moment, I couldn't tell you who our key players are going to be. We signed Luke Norris in the pre-season, who did look like he was going to be a big player, but it's he's now injured. So yeah, it's a tough one to answer, but yeah, Jennings, Morris, they are our big players, and probably Josh Hawks as well. Speaking
0: of stand up players, I don't think he'll be involved this weekend, but Paul Mullen is our stand up player. Are you surprised, Tramier fans, by how good he's become since he left the club?
2: No, no, I'm not surprised. It, to be fair, he just never got a fair crack at it with Um And there was a perfectly good reason for it because he had, to, he had James Norwood to score a 30 plus goal that season. Um, and when we won promotion to League One, Norwood then left us, and we were like, right, well, is Mullen going to be able to finish shoes? He couldn't even get a game in League Two. So Mullen, even when it's League One and he didn't have know what to speak with anymore, he never really had a run of games. He never really had a, a, a batch of. I'd be surprised if he ever started more than three games in a row for us, and mm-hmm. um, so never had a proper run. But when he did play, you could always see it in him. He's got uh, he's got that sort of never say die attitude. You know, he's, he's a grafter, but he can score. He's got a good strike on him, uh, not the biggest, but you know, he's a menace for, for defenders. Isn't he? And you could always see that with us. But he was never going to get picked ahead of Norwood. It's never going to happen. But uh, he went, I think, was it Cambridge? He went to afterwards. I think that's where you guys got him from. And he went on, you know, totally two to pieces. And a typical try, I mean, to be honest, someone can be rubbish for us and then you will go elsewhere and, and be brilliant. But, no, I'm not I'm not going to say I'm surprised. I just think he never really had a, a run of games to really show that he's going to be able to do that. But, yeah, you can always see people playing in
0: there. Last question then. What are you expecting this weekend? Is it head versus heart? I mean, Hoping for a win, but what's your realistic thoughts for it? I mean, we've not won away this season yet. Yeah, but I think
2: I think season trends. It's probably a bit early to sort of look at season trends just yet. Yeah, um, you know, yeah, you've had a, maybe not the best a, a start away from home, but um, I think this game form goes out the window because you'll, you'll you'll pack the away and we'll be openly noisy as well. We'll all be up for it and excited. Hopefully, the players will be excited and look for it. And literally, i gonna have a holiday. So. I, I, I think a draw would probably be very likely. We've had a four-star, so I'm not going to rule out you guys beating us. But I know we've got a good performance in us, and I know we I, I know we can beat you as well. So I think a draw is likely. Obviously, Hart says I'd love to win it three 0 but that's not the Premier way. I, you know, I remember you guys coming to our, to our place in the National League and, and beating us one nil with ten men. You know, Chris Holloway, yeah. These these things happening in, in Darby games. So, I just expect a very tight, very tense game. Now, I don't think either team's going to talk the you about uh, You know, it'll, it'll be close, it'll be tight, it's frantic. The fans won't let it feed the budget. Uh, and obviously, I'm praying for the. Uh, I'm going to go for a 2-1, try and win. But I think a throw would not be surprised to either. you know.
0: So there you go, Naf. Tramir not feeling the most optimistic going into the weekend, but it is essentially a derby game. And we know that form and records often go out of the window. We know, if you flip it on its head, as I mentioned, that Chris Holroyd game where Wrexham had 10 men for the whole match, but we still managed to win on the same sort of basis... Doesn't matter how good Wrexham are, Tramia will fancy their chances and this is a chance for them to kickstart their season. Do you see it going that way or are you confident Wrexham will be able to win?
4: I mean, that firstly, the Holroyd goal, incredible limbs. Um, you know, wild celebrations. It obviously means a great deal to both sets of fans. Um I I think it will be quite a close game. Um, not just because we've had a slow start to the season. I mean, what a way for us to get our away campaign off the ground, our league campaign, if anything. You know, we've had a one-one draw at Wimbledon, a one-one draw at Barrow. You know we haven't um, got that win yet away from home. We probably should have got it against Barrow. And I'm looking at these results here against uh, for Tranmere. They lose one-nil against MK Dons. They beat Harrogate 3 0 Then they lose four-three to Tranmere, so a goal in four-three to Salford. Pardon me, a goal in that. They lose two-one to Notts County. So they're not they're not getting handsomely turned over. You know, it is a goal in it here or there. There will be some familiar faces in that Tramiel lineup. I mean, who who have we got in there? We've got a Connor Jennings. Jennings and Kieran Morris mentioned Yeah, Kieran yeah. Morris, Connor Jennings. Yeah. I mean, even, even others that we've seen time and again, you know, Jordan Turnbull was linked to us and uh, when he was previously at Salford. Um, Christine Dennis has played against us many a time in our non-league days. So plenty of familiar faces and, I think it'll be a hell of an atmosphere. You know, both sides. This is the type of game that both sides struggling. You get this win, they beat us, we beat them, and suddenly the mood around the whole place is completely different.
0: I, I agree with you. I'm just hoping that we manage to play the the match rather than the, the occasion. Really, I hope it doesn't sort of get to us too much. I'm hoping that we keep focused. It's gonna be, you know, ferocious. Both sets of fans are we really up for this? It's gonna be tenacious. It's gonna be nasty. Like I said. It's going to be a brilliant, brilliant atmosphere, even though it is the early kickoff this weekend. I just hope we've got enough firepower to, to see us over the line because you do sense that it's just basically down to Elliot Lee and Oli Palmer to to offer any sort of o- attacking threat from open play. And yeah, I'm just intrigued to see the formation and rather the the, t- the players we go with. Um, I mean, who who would you have partnering in Oli Palmer up front this weekend? Because there isn't really a, a right <laughs> answer. I mean, Bickerstaff is the informed option. I feel like that.
4: Of be I, I feel like that is the right answer, though. I feel like that is the. I mean, I, I you know, I still think, and I, I I've seen people you know, um, call this could out. Can we even so, have a
0: striker debut, Naif?
4: I mean, look, the, Brendan Hanlon. We've made two bids for for Brendan Hanlon. Personal terms being agreed. there. still some haggling, you know, on the exact fee with Wickham. I mean, it, look, it, that could be done, dusted. By the time we play Tranmere, you're going to have to get that registered early on Friday. Could well happen. And he could be in the squad and you might have pace for days up front alongside Ollie Palmer. So who knows? Uh, maybe somebody else. Maybe somebody like a Lyle Taylor or someone like that. Who knows what's going to happen between now and... I haven't got my little crystal ball in in my room here. but uh, Or I've, I also don't have a Paul the Optimus telling me what's going to happen in the future either. But as it stands right now, today we record this on the Wednesday, I would probably go Jake Bickstaff again. More interestingly, Rich, I'm thinking, what do you do in terms of James McLean, who's returning, scored an unbelievable penalty against Bradford? I mean, genuinely unsavable Top corner, you can't save that. I mean, look, you know, do you play him instead of Jacob Mendy? Do you play Ryan Barnett? And also, I know we're away from home, do you just go hell for leather? Heavy metal football from the off and just try and blitz Tramir? And just try and catch them on the hop, or do you go heavy
0: metal football, which is the opposite of of Luke Young's playlist? Right,
4: right. Or do you, or do you just go no? Let's let's play two sitting. Let's contain them. Let's quieten the crowd down, and then try and spring on the counter. Now the counter is good if you've got pace. So if you've got a Brendan Hanlon, obviously that's something you can do. You can play on the counter. Try are gonna have to attack Wrexham at home in an early kickoff. It's tricky. I I think I think I would go. Uh, I know one man of the match on Tuesday, I still think I would go with Anthony Ford
0: just for a little bit more solidity. I know yes. maybe that's showing a little bit too much respect. I, would. To, I, I think there's a way of, and I, You know what I, mean? I think that if you have Ford and McLean, I think that's a way of having your attacking threat and your defensive responsibilities in those two fullback selections there. What I would say, what, what 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 I would
4: say is that I then would bring on both Barnett and Mendy. With about half an hour to yes. go, and just burn, just blitz again for pace. Because what we what we've got is we've got pace in those wide areas. You just need to keep rotating them every single game, to the point where just you've constantly got someone who's at hundred to eighty to seventy five percent in terms of their running speed. Um, because you'd imagine Tramit are not going to keep changing their fullbacks all the time. Maybe they will, but I, I I don't see it. So let's just try and use pace where we can. It's the one thing we missed up top, but we haven't missed it in wide areas, and we need to use it. You know, Barnett, I thought, came on a little bit too late at Barrow and, and he did get past his man a few times, just didn't have the time, I didn't think, to, to really go and influence that game uh, and make a, a meaningful difference. So let's try and make some earlier subs, Parky, please, if you listen to this.
0: Beyond the week and the naif, I mean, before we get on to the Newcastle game, should we do a little bit of a transfer update? I mean, the news is that Wrexham have had, as he said, bids accepted for a few players, but such is the transfer merry-go-round and the sort of chain reaction at play that at this stage in the window selling clubs have all the power because they can demand a bigger fee because of the, the lack of time left and they've also got to get a replacement in themselves so there is this big domino effect really so Rectum finding a player they want and even agreeing a fee for a player doesn't mean you can go and sign them because the selling team will say right this package is doable for us but it relies on us getting the replacement in so I mean, like you said, I think this will get outdated so quickly because we're recording this on... <laughs> I was going to say, Rich, Rich,
4: Rich. can we explain transfers in the same way that we can explain the chain when buying a house? Is that essentially exactly what it is? Yes. It's exactly what it is, right? So um, I want to buy your house, but until you have a house, I can't buy it off you, can I? Uh, or the, the deal's not going to get approved. So uh, a domino effect, a chain reaction. But um, wheels are in motion for and Rex will make a couple of moves. I'm more just curious... Who's going out the other way? You know, because are we just going to end up farming players off on loan? You know, we don't want to sign any loans, but the squad is already too big for the registration deadline, and we want to get more, so something's got to give.
0: I mean, McFadden's not been involved at all this season. We we're overstocked at left back now, aren't we? Really, with Mendy and McLean there as well, and you know, I'm sure you know Boyle can play there if, if required. I'm sure Tunnicliffe could as well if, if he really got that desperate. O'Connor, okay, he's not a left wing back, but he's played left centre back. You know, that there'll be ways around getting rid of McFadden if we, if we had to. Yeah, like you said, the, the other areas of the pitch are so fascinating, aren't they? Because Matt Linden got a new deal and is someone that Parky really highly rates and, and really likes his enthusiasm, his hard work, his, his personality, the fact that he doesn't mind sitting on the bench and he will come in and, and make a difference when, whenever required like you said, the bigger staff situation, surely a striker will have to go if we end up bringing another one in just because you can't have that many with Mullen coming back to, to give them all meaningful minutes, especially now that we're out of the Carabao Cup. So really interested in that one. And like I we said, we're not going to try and predict too much because it'll be updated very quickly, but we will be on top of it all on our socials. So that's Rob Brian, Red on all social media. And there might even be a YouTube video towards the end oh. of the week or certainly early next week to look back on the transfer window as a whole, whole, and well, we make a Wrexham squad for the rest of the season. <laughs> Naif, it's not just tramia though. It is the Pizza Cup next Tuesday, even though that that sponsorship is now over with Papa John's. Wrexham against Newcastle under-21s. And I
1: thought, what
0: better excuse to speak to my work colleague, Stephen Railston, than that. He's a Geordie reporting on Man United for the Manchester Evening News. You'll be able to tell from his accent. He is, he ticks every box. He drinks Newky Brown. He loves Sam Fender. You know, he, he's, he's a good lad. And this is what he had to say about Newcastle's upcoming trip to the Kaibarffs. So, Stephen, thanks for joining us on the podcast. I suppose the question is, how will Newcastle approach the uh, Papa John's Trophy this season? I know, like, in our roles at the MEN, you've particularly been to watch United's kids quite a a few times in the competition. They do get quite well supported. You were there, their win over Stockport uh, the other week. So, how do you think Newcastle will approach it?
1: First of all, Rich, an absolute pleasure to be on the podcast. Uh, Probably the most eagerly anticipated game of the year, Wrexham in Newcastle, under-21s, and it's no longer the Papa John's anymore, is it? For for sponsorship reasons. It's the AFL trophy, which is a shame. Because um, I did like the name, the, the Papa John's trophy. gives it a bit of a swaz, doesn't it? Um, but as far as Newcastle go in the competition, um, the academy's really struggled, to be honest, Rich, over the last 10 years or so. It's uh, Sunderland, if you compare them, might have went down the divisions, but they always had the better academy in the North East and they would sweep up the talent. And so the under-21s, or it used to be, the under-23s, um, haven't really had the best time of things. Um, that's hopefully now going to change. You've got the, the takeover and the fortunes are obviously improving and your castle have signed some better young players and they're looking to improve the academy for the next few years. And um, the last few seasons, the Papa John's really hasn't been a consideration. I was just checking the results actually. Um, I didn't know them off the top of my head. I'm not that weird. Um, Just before I came on the podcast. And I think the only time that they got out of the group in the last six years or so was in 2018, 19. And, uh, they won the group that year and the not not county actually came second rich that that season, and um, but since then they finished last in each group stage each year, which just shows you really like, how poor they've been. However, I, I think they'll fare better this time round. I mean, the they've they signed a, a few better players. Um, Alex Murphy centre half. He's Irish. He impressed in pre season. He was out in America, and um, he came on against Chelsea in the States, and he looked really good. Played against Fiorentina as well, uh, alongside Sven Botman. Um, in pre-season and he looks uh, really sharp and they've just signed someone called Caffel Hefferman as well who's also Irish from AC Milan interesting enough so I mean it remains to be seen whether he plays like Maldini Uh, but I expect them to to start uh, against Wrexham and look they're going to have the hands full on because Wrexham are a quality side Um, I don't know will they put out a strong side Rich for the game?
0: don't think so I think they will I think it'll be a a mixed team there's like the rules aren't there when league teams have to play a certain amount of of players, you know, they've got to have this rule. Like, same as Stockport, I think they had like three or four first teamers, and the rest were sort of the reserve players. And if we were Rex point of view, Aki Wright played, I think Ryan Crosdale you, played. You, you talked
1: Crosdale. About that. Yeah, you talked about that Stockport game, and as you already said, like, I've, I've been to quite a few now. Um, you, Man United have got fantastic support, and I think there was around a thousand fans there or so, and the way Envy was sold out. I'd be shocked, Rich, if there was a crazy Geordie there, unless um the the living in wales I, I'd, I'd expect very very few fans maybe a handful of newcastle fans to make the trip anyways but
0: and i suppose be of the you, you're you're living in manchester has crossed your mind wants to go to this game has it well
1: that just shows you does it i mean it's is it tuesday night is it next week yeah I, I didn't, now you mentioned it now you mentioned it though i might get across i do live my flatmate is is a geordie as well so um, I'm going to have to look into it now, Rich. I can maybe meet you for a pie before the game. It's got potential. It could be the biggest game of the year at this rate. <laughs> In terms of, like you said mentioned, the players
0: there who've, who will stand out. Since the takeover, is it, do you think it's going to be harder now for these youngsters to actually make it to the first team? Because previously, similar to Wrexham, we sort of had to rely on the youth players because we couldn't go out and buy buy massive amounts of, spend lots of money. But now you've had a takeover, we had a takeover. Okay, they're slightly different. But is there going to be, do you think, less chance now of, of local lads making it in the Newcastle side?
1: I'd say it's actually opposite, only because, I mean, that logic completely makes sense because you think, look, if there's multi-million stars coming into the club, you look know, at the investment that uh, the Saudi ownership have made, Isaac coming in, for example, for 65 million. Um, but they're going to put, and they are putting a lot of money into the academy. So more, I mean, better players who are actually capable of reaching the first team are now going to be playing Whereas in the past, over the last 10 years, as I said, that, that talent actually went to Sunderland and, and they kind of got the better players in the northeast. And even when I was playing at a grassroots level, um, when I was younger back home, that it was always known if you were any good, you'd go to Sunderland's academy. And even Billsborough as well. Newcastle were just so far behind. Um, I mean, you look at the names. You had, obviously, Sean and Matthew Longstaff coming through. Um, Paul Dummuth, used to live on my estate, went to my school. And Andy Carroll. But, I mean, they're really the only big names if you, you go further back Alan Shearer Paul Gascoigne but they didn't actually come from Newcastle's academy they had to leave go elsewhere um to to really kick on in their careers so in a weird way I actually think it'll help the the next generation of, of young lads and one name I didn't mention actually who Newcastle fans are, are really really excited about and he should start I think next week um is Jamie Miley and um, he's 17 years old he's around 6 foot um there's some real, real high hopes for him, real high hopes. I, I watched him in pre-season and technically he's fantastic. The way he turns on the ball, I think he plays a number 10 on the left, on the right. Um, he was involved in the first under 20, two under-21 games of the season um, and people expect him to make the squad uh, against Liverpool at the weekend after training with the first team all week. He didn't actually, which was uh, a bit bizarre, but uh, I hope to see him start against Wrexham anyway. So he's he's definitely want to keep an eye out on as well.
0: And you mentioned there is not a them anymore. But if Newcastle got to the final, would
1: you be there? <laughs> uh, is it free pizza as well, getting hands out on the concourses? Uh, no, nah, like you say, Rich. I mean, it's 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 not really a consideration. I think, um, in Newcastle fans. But I guess that's the same as Wrexham fans. Like, uh, when you talk to when I was at Stockport as well, they weren't really treating it seriously. Um, Baller won it last year, didn't
0: they? Yeah, I, th- I think and it's, it's the a case it. where you don't you don't treat it so. Uh, you don't treat it seriously to you get to the final, do you? And there's a good day out and a chance to go to <laughs> Wembley.
1: So, yeah, we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. But I suppose... You just said it on the other head, Rich. It's a doubt. And if there's, there's games around Manchester, which Wrexham's not too far from Manchester, so there's probably no excuse for me not to get across. Uh, so now now you've mentioned that I probably should get along.
0: <laughs> so, Nath, I mean, similar that both clubs have had a takeover and there's a rejuvenated sort of feeling amongst fans. And as Stephen's pointed out there that Oddly, just because Newcastle now have all this money to buy whoever they want, as it were, there is now an extra emphasis on the academy as well and bringing through young players. So, really interesting to see how they do approach the uh, the EFL Cup yeah. this season. And yeah, yeah we've, I mean, Rich, we've, we, we've Rich, it? we've
4: seen a few of them get through. I mean, Elliot Anderson, they really highly rate in the North East. I mean, he won't play, obviously, he's graduated to the first team now lewis miley another that they really really raised so they've got talent um in in that group i'll just be what what fascinates me and it was sort of when i was watching the la galaxy second team as well when i was out there on the u.s tour i probably that's probably a curse word now given the start to the season but when i was enjoying myself on the u.s tour I, i found that technically they were really really good it was just physically where they just weren't able to compete and i know you've watched a lot of youth football in terms of man united and you know, I don't know whether that's a similar theme and it's just the physicality. Maybe against other youth teams, it doesn't doesn't have so much of a factor, but it, it is interesting it, it, when we're going up against it because I think we'll still have... you know, Even when I look at someone like Max, I just think physically, he's he's been in men's football. He's a bit more rough and ready. I do wonder what some of these Newcastle Under-21s players are like. I think it'll be interesting. Um, I know that some people feel quite strongly about boycotting the tournament. Um, do definitely go and have a look around if if you're unsure about that, you've never heard of that. It's, it's definitely a thing. Um, and I think so, it'll be interesting to see the attendance. The club have said it's going to be a record high for the competition um, for Wrexham. So we'll see. I'm, uh, again, I'm very fascinated to see kind of what the turnout is for that next week.
0: Yeah, I'm really fascinated as well. Like I said, we're not going to maybe educate you on reasons. We can't tell you whether you want to boycott the or not, It's for you to decide there's you know just just type in you know EFL EFL Cup um oh is it EFL Cup or EFL Trophy EFL, no, trophy, EFL yeah. trophy is officially called yeah just just do your own research on that and then decide if you want to go to the games yourself we're not going to tell you what to do on terms of that but yeah really interesting as you mentioned there I mean United Man United done twenty one so I've covered a lot they are sort of best in class certainly one of the leading teams you know they won the FA Youth Cup in twenty twenty two. If you if you're a good United youngster, you get a chance in the first team, really. So I, I've watched United under under 21s blitz past Football League teams. I've watched them comfortably beat Bradford City away. I've watched them thrash Salford City, you know. But I've also watched them lose comfortably last season. They lost four 0 to Bolton, you know. There's there's a real mixture in there, and sometimes it can just be what happens on the night, and things can get out of hand quite quickly. I mean, lots of these youngsters aren't lacking confidence because they all think that they might make it at a top club, which can, you know, it can make them play some brilliant football, but it can also give them a tough reality check if they go a goal or two down and they can capitulate and fall apart. So, yeah, we'll wait and see. But I suppose, next the final part of the Newcastle preview is any player in particular you would like to see involved in the game? Definitely. Luke McNicholas
4: for a start. Um, I was pro Howard playing against Bradford just for extra reps. Definitely would like to see Luke McNicholas get a game in goal um, against Newcastle and definitely against Crewe and Port Vale in all the EFL trophy games. I'd I'd like to stick up. I wouldn't mind seeing Aaron James play at centre back. I think he's you know, he's very highly rated by Parkinson. I know Parkinson's a big fan of his attitude, his work rate. Um he'd be one I mean I wouldn't flood it with with young 'cause I wouldn't necessarily say I'd, I'd
0: like to see Bryce
4: play. Yeah, I'd like to see I Bryce thought Bryce was but brilliant I, in the uh, yeah, in the Swindon I'd, game. I'd, I'd, I'd like to see Bryce I, but I wouldn't necessarily flood it with Owen Cushion and and some of the, you know loads of young lads. I, I think What's it the Swindon game or was it MK Dons that Bryce was good in? MK in, Dons and he came on got the assist for Jordan yeah. and and uh you know we haven't really seen him much since then. I'd like to see Billy Waters play. Um I'd like to see Waters get a full ninety if he can um see how he gets on. And um yeah, I mean, yeah, I just kind of want to see a bit of variation, but I'd rather see some of the youngsters, a Dan Davis or a um, Luke McNicholas or, or or someone of that kind of ilk, where I think we'll learn a lot more about them than than just sticking Liam McAlinden at left back, which we've you know been there, done that, got the t shirt. I, I don't think we're gonna learn a lot more. So. Look, we've got three group games. We've got a chance to give these lads minutes. And if that's where our journey ends, it's where it ends, and it'll solely be the league, and a lot of these lads won't get minutes. So, you know, I think you've got to take your opportunity. This is the lowest um, competition in terms of priority. I think it was probably this, the Carabao Cup, the FA Cup, and the league. Um, So let's shuffle the pack. Let's give people like Toza. Let's give people like Lee. um, Let's give people like Palmer a well-deserved break. You know, and and give them Tranmere, and then give them Doncaster. So that's what I'd be doing, Rich.
0: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with muck delivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. That is what you would be doing. And we will be back on next week's podcast to look back at whatever does happen against Tranmere and Against Newcastle in the coming week, as well as all that transfer news, Naif. Before we sign off, though, we were joined by two special guests as well recently, weren't we?
4: Yeah, I thought. I mean, we've had this in the camera debating when to use it, but I think this can just sort of play us out, Rich. Um, Neil Roberts, who people will know, uh, ex-Wrexham, and Mia Roberts, now also um, ex-Wrexham. Both of which, Rich, that is going to be a quiz question in years to come. Which was the father-daughter duo to both play? at the race course. Um, Neil and Mia were great. They did split their AirPods, so I don't know if their audio is tip-top. Well, I know it's not tip-top, but it is very legible. You will be able to understand what they're saying, um, and you'll definitely be able to hear myself and Rich. So enjoy it. They thought they were quite good, Rich. They talked a little bit. They're going to be stars of the documentary, or they don't want to call themselves stars, but they're going to be in the documentary. They were in the trailer. Um, they had a little cooking faux pas that I'm almost certain will make the cut. Um, and there's loads of other stuff talking us through the the, the women's team, the title parade, how Parky gave a rousing speech before the women's team played uh, that game against Connors Key where they broke the attendance record. So, yeah, here is here is a chat with uh, Mia. Here is a chat with Neil. And um, yeah, we will catch you next week. <laughs> Rich, I know, I don't think we're quite in Wrexham royalty territory yet. I have only done how many years we've done the podcast. A couple of years. So we probably haven't made it. But two people who I'm going to put in there, they're never going to say it. I'm going to put them in there. Um, the first ever, maybe the only ever, um, father, daughter to play at the race course, Neil Roberts, who people will know, older listeners will know. So I don't want to make Neil feel too old, but older listeners will know. And more recently, Mia Roberts, who played for the women's team, got to probably drown in champagne with Ryan and Rob. Um, to the, well, Neil and, and Mia, thanks for coming on, firstly. Well,
5: thanks for having us.
6: Yeah, thank you for having us. Look yeah. forward to all
4: chat with you. Well, Rich, look, yeah, this is going to be, this is going to be good with this, Rich, because we've got, I was looking back through uh, Stalking Neil and Mia's pages, and you've got pictures of Mia in the dressing room when she was a little girl next to her dad's shirt. Mia, I guess the first question is, what are your early memories of, following Wrexham at that time when your dad was playing and kind of being that kid who gets to go in the dressing room soak it all up it must have been unbelievable
5: yeah definitely I think you know as someone who's always just been a fan of football and loved football to have your dad play for team support it's pretty you know unbelievable and I don't think it was ever normal you know being allowed to go into the dressing room and see a bit of behind the scenes stuff and whatever um, but
4: no, it, it was it was unbelievable. And I'm so lucky to have, to have had those experiences. Yeah, well, I mean, you kind of um, yeah, you got to got to just be around the place. And uh, I mean, interesting dressing room at that time, Neil. In terms of um, you know, little girls running around and and some characters, I'd say in uh, in the teams you'd played in.
6: Yeah, I mean, again, you know, at that time there was a lot of us that that all had young families, so. You know, Mia was one of a, a number of <clears throat> players' children that got some experience coming in the changing rooms and things. And you know, it, it's nice to see now that they're still they're still doing it. It's very much you know, sort of that family club feel still, where you know you might see Mullers on the pitch with his little one, and after the game, I know all these kids, you know, they're regularly at the games. So it's um, yeah, it's just something that I think it's always been there at the club, and it, you know, it's important that it it does continue.
0: Was he your favourite player growing up, Mia? Or not? Who's your favourite? Was it your dad?
3: <laughs> Ooh, probably
5: not when he was playing, just because of how young I was. I know that's quite quite tough. Um, growing up, I was a big Andy Morel fan. Um, and Yeah, and then a bit older, probably, Louis Mont. I remember watching him score at Wembley, so he was probably the, the other one. So I'm a bit of a fan of the strikers, so...
0: Goal scorers. Goal
5: scorers. I can't say him, Can't can say me.
0: Not you then. Yeah. What, <laughs> not I mean, quite. how difficult is that though for me? Because obviously you've got the Wrexham connection, but did all your mates in school did they did they support Wrexham or not? They they did, but obviously you know because Ryan and
5: Rob weren't there, then it wasn't cool, was it? So um, no, it, they did and they they didn't. We got to go to a few games together, and that was always fun. So you know. There was always something in school. It was cool to say, "Oh, well, my Dad is professional footballer and all that." But, um, but you know, it, it just became, okay, especially with my mates, it was pretty normal. No one really linked the linked the eye or whatever. So, so yeah. Uh, how
0: did that? How did your dad being professional sort of inspire you to be a footballer? Do you remember an age where you thought I'd quite like to do that yourself, or has that always been there?
5: Yeah, I think you know, growing up, I, I always just wanted to play. I don't think I ever really wanted to be. Professional or anything. I don't know whether that's because I didn't really see that as an opportunity. Um, you know, growing up, I played with boys teams and everything, so I suppose I didn't really see it as a poss- possibility. Um, but but yeah, you you like you always encouraged me to play, and you know, I think playing with the boys in in a way helped me in, in a lot of ways in my game and things like that. So um, so yeah, I just always I just always loved it, and obviously him playing and um, other members of the family playing. That's always played a nice
4: little role as well. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, the, Rich, the Roberts five-a-side team must be an absolute force to be reckoned with. Imagine coming up against that at a little uh, local five-a-side I don't five-a-side think I'd tournament.
6: get in. I don't think I'd get in anymore. <laughs> you
4: <laughs> you <laughs> probably wouldn't. You probably wouldn't make it now. <laughs> wouldn't make the sure. cut. Um, yeah, you know, just, you know, just talking about that early footballing journey, because me and now, obviously, we'll throw it forward and get it on to, to the current team, but there wasn't really a... You, were, you weren't looking at a and women's team in particular or, or or many teams that were showing these young girls that there is a pathway now. So I think for you, to slightly move it forward, you must be immensely proud that you've been part of that, that we're seeing these young fans, young girls, that now believe that that is a pathway for them.
5: Oh, massively. I think, you know, just in the last few years, if you look at the progress that's been made, you know, look at, I know there was a big... Um, Influx of opportunity and everything from when England did very well in the Euros, obviously won it years ago, and I think that's only going to continue after the World Cup. But you know, focusing on Wrexham in particular, I think the amount of young young girls now who you know are in Wrexham shirts or at Wrexham games, want you know supporting the club but also wanting to play themselves, it's it's brilliant, and i I just love it. I think it's I think it's amazing.
4: All right I was going to say um you know for me I'm I'm just going to throw it forward to the to the big one that stands out for me there's a lot of success and we'll maybe speak about some of the players but playing at the race course was the you know that is the pitches that you've had you've where you've watched a lot of the games we get to play Connors Key It gets a big massive ramp up to that game you know Ryan Reynolds is tweeting his 20 million saying come on to the race course we're, we're not sure really what to expect you know we weren't sure what the turnout was going to be what the reaction was going to be it was amazing, wasn't it? It just as a whole day. I mean, talk me through that day, getting it, uh, being in the changing room, sitting with that number three shirt on the wall. You know, you had looking back, you had your dad's twenty three on there. It was uh must have been high, highly emotional even before you even kicked off.
5: Oh, absolutely! I think when we first got told a few weeks prior that it was going to happen, I think there was, I think, a lot of nerves, but also just so much excitement with the girls. Everyone was just counting down the days. You know, and that's. Was- when we still had games to play in the league as well, which was something I think um, Steven Josh had to manage. But uh, you know, everyone was really excited, and um, you know, especially because we'd already won the league at that point. I think um, we all had to switch our heads on a bit in a way because we still wanted to win the game. We wanted to impress, and you know, it was an opportunity. I think definitely for women's football, for, for us in particular, to show people, you know, what you've come to watch us. We're going to try and make you come back if, if you like. So um, no, it was unbelievable. It was. Yeah, there were definitely nerves beforehand, but, um, you know, I'm so grateful for the club for allowing us and giving us that opportunity. And, um, you know, the likes of Elliot Lee and the players coming to watch, Parky was there. I don't know if many people know this, but Parky came in the dressing room before the game and spoke to us, which, like, the majority of the girls there who were fans there, I mean, that was just unbelievable. And then, you know, walking out and oh, I, I, I can't put it into words, it's just a pinnacle, I think.
4: And Neil, you must have been, I don't know, how are you feeling? Immensely proud, a little bit nervous, yeah. I don't know. It must well, have been a, a, a strange one for you.
6: No, I, th- I think a mix of everything, really. And, you know, I'd, I'd seen also just trying to help manage Mira a little bit in the build-up to it as well. So, the, like she talks about the weeks prior, um, and, you know, I'd been kind of a little bit consciously trying to, you know, make her aware that I think there will be a big crowd. So trying to get her into that sort of mindset of, you know, there is going to be a lot of people there. So the sooner you sort of understand and accept that, then hopefully the, the easier you kind of find it on the day sort of thing. So, um, yeah, obviously super proud. And, you know, having all the family there, you know, both her mum's side and my side, um, we were all there supporting friends. um, Just just a real surreal moment and I think, you know, like Mia says, you know, they didn't they didn't have to put it on the race course, but I think it was a massive, massive
0: um
6: piece of really, really good PR work to have done that. Um and and hopefully has set the sort of precedent for future games of that sort of nature, you know, so um it's it's one that why not? They should be playing on there. It's, you know, it was the like Mia says, the pinnacle of um, the season for all those girls. And, you know, the, the fans turned out, supported and and enjoyed it. Um, you know, seeing all those young girls there that now they've got that sort of something to hold on to in, in kind of a, you know, in a way that I had when I was little, kind of seeing the likes of Waco and, you know, and Joey and people like that, that I looked up to were my heroes. So um you know it's it, it should be exactly the same and for the for the girls and the women's
4: teams rich i absolutely loved it just quickly before you go i absolutely love the fact that you know neil's been kind of like trying to temper it down a little bit like keep me a calm and she comes on giving it the absolute big <laughs> to the tech end arms <laughs> up giving it large i absolutely i watched that back <laughs> earlier and i was just smiling because i was like it's That's so like, good
0: yeah the advice worked well didn't Could- it
4: yeah, come on as a sub, absolutely giving it like love. I loved it. I thought that was so good. I thought if you're gonna, yeah, she, I was like, why not just go crazy? Well, why not? Moment, I loved it. She? I thought that was great. Yeah,
6: yeah. It, I think it went. It was perfect, wasn't it? You know, it was perfect at the time as well. And you, I mean, look at the, you know, look at the reaction from the crowd at the time. It was, it was what was needed because it was a little bit flat at that moment. Yeah. So, um,
0: yeah, good. I was, yeah, it's good. To ask now. How, Watching your daughter play, when you were playing football, you were always you yeah. had you were on the pitch. You had a say you could control what was happening. You had an influence. Yeah. How difficult is it watching sort of as a spectator and having to become a fan again, almost and and live it?
6: Yeah. Um, well, in regards to me playing, I'm I'm not a kind of um, I'm not one of those parents on the sidelines that get banned every week from from watching Soccer the kids mom. play. I, no, I'm not. I'm I'm kind of. I take myself back a little bit. I've, I've always kind of said to her, you know, your manager is who you listen to. Um, I've seen a lot of it. I've been in, in and around youth football since I've retired from playing. Um, it can be a massive, massive detriment to the young player having somebody on the sidelines who, who does that sort of, you know, a little bit too animated and, aggressive, if you like, um, regarding their, their son or daughter playing. So, no, I I just tell her to go and enjoy it. I, I always make a thing of playing with a smile on your face and um, just the things that I was told when I was younger, really. And, yeah, I'm probably a little bit more sort of involved in terms of my my feelings when I'm at a first-team game watching Wrexham. You know, it's that that then I am maybe slightly different and a little bit more animated. So... Um, especially, you know, when it's when it's games like we're seeing at the moment, where we're equalising in the last seconds of the game, five all. So, um, yeah, it's um, it's amazing, and it's just, you know, it's it's a massive, massive privilege and an honour for me to to have seen my daughter playing for our hometown club.
0: The weekend just gone was that was it like. Don't want to age you too much now, but was it what, sixteen, seventeen years since you scored the goal against Chester? That's one though. Yeah. What are your sort of standout playing moments for Wrexham?
6: Um, I'd have to say, um, I'd go all the way back to my debut in in ninety seven. So, um, against Carlisle away, that was that was sort of, you know, for me, it was that was a little bit Hollywood. You know what me has been through recently because. I didn't really expect to play that day. Um, and then got the sort of nod from Blinney, um like not long before we were going out to warm up, that I was going to be starting, because he never used to do the team until we got in the changing room. So he wasn't one of them that would, you wouldn't, you didn't, you kept your guessing really. So you, you know, you're training on a Friday, some managers will work through their team, you know, Flynnie on that occasion didn't do it. And um, yeah, it just sticks out in my memory, obviously, brilliant to make my debut but then scoring two and and it being my mum's birthday as well which is obviously something
4: super important to me close to my heart
6: and uh yeah i uh I, i'd have to say that one to be honest
4: well i was going to ask mia what you thought of because like you can mentally prepare yourself but the the noise playing at the race course because like i say anyone that's listened to the podcast will know the women's team have been playing in front of aside from maybe the Britain Ferry game and, the, and the, the Connors Key game, you've been playing in front of much smaller crowds, you know, not big stadiums. Was it Was it when you came on, I know you were joking about you giving it the big And but when you get that touch of the ball and you're in the game, was it a bit of a, was it just a lot different than what you thought it was going to be, exactly what you thought it was going to be? Um,
5: it's something I don't think you can prepare yourself for until you're in that moment, definitely. I mean, for me, I, I just saw it as, you know, what, I might never get this opportunity again I'm just going to take it with both hands and like you know he tells me all the time play with a smile on my face and absolutely enjoy and soak up every single second because you know it that is one of my biggest dreams and I'm so happy and lucky to say I've, I've accomplished it and, and yeah I think it was you know you as coming on I was thinking oh my god this is actually <laughs> happening but no um, but no I think you know you get on and you do your job but at the end How many people were watching? But um, but yeah, it, I just. I think I just. You know, tried to
4: literally enjoy every single second. And what what's it like playing in a team where you could loop it over to the front? You're talking about strikers. I mean, you've got Rosie Hughes. You could just bear down on goal because we spoke about her a few times. I mean, she must have been. She looks a, a lovely, a lovely girl anyway. Uh, super friendly and chatty, but she's good at football. If I'm if I'm being not honest.
5: Oh, yeah. I mean, I think I I'll, I'll, I can sum it up by saying I think I know how De Bruyne plays when he's played behind Haaland. Uh, but, um, no, she's yeah, she's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Like, her pace and everything about her the overall game is, is immense. And, um, and, yeah, hopefully she can continue and only improve uh, in the upcoming season for us. So, um, yeah, exciting.
4: Yeah, fingers crossed, Rich. I mean, they've got to ask then, to, to Parky came into the dressing room at the before the game, at the end we see Robin Ryan on there. You know Blake Lively's watching on Elliot Lee and others. The the champagne spraying. I mean, not many people get to lift a trophy. It's definitely not at the race course anyway. In in recent years, what was that feeling like? What was that moment? The few hours of the night? What was that all like?
5: Yeah, it was just unbelievable. Like obviously, Robin Ryan being there in the first place was was massive. I I think it was so nice of them to. To, to watch us and, and come down. But um yeah, being able to lift a trophy that that was something something special as well, obviously being able to do it before for Ben and Luke um as well. So um, it's definitely cemented in history, especially being able to do it at the clubs, like I say. And um and yeah, just honestly you can't you can't put it into words. It's just utterly bonkers I think, you know, just when I look back at videos and think, oh my God, I was actually like there in that moment,
0: it's, it's like an out of body experience. Honestly, it's it's really bizarre. Are you, were you surprised by how seriously Robin Ryan have taken the women's side of things? Because when they bought the club, there was always the mission statement. and They said we want to invest in all areas of the club, but to actually do it is a completely different thing, isn't it? And again, as your dad said, you know, it's not something they actually had to do. It's great that they did, but it was the focus was all on the men's side, wasn't it? So. How sort of overwhelmed and how grateful are you, really, that, that they have taken it seriously and given the women's side the respect and the platform it deserves?
5: Yeah, they're massively overwhelmed, I think. You know, for them to say it in the first place is one thing, but then to, to go on and do it and then go above and beyond, by the way, because that's what they've done. They haven't, you know, just done the bare minimum all <coughs> and just shown their face once or twice. They've gone above and beyond, and I hope they realise what they've done, That. But us girls but also the future of, you know, Rex and women's football and also I was gonna say North Wales but also also Welsh women's football because, you know, look what they've started now, obviously I don't know if you've seen but Cardiff, Swansea so both gone semi professional. I mean it you know, it, it also it's that domino effect I suppose where, you know, one does it and the rest um rest follow suit. So yeah, it can't be exaggerated what they've done for, for us really and I, I I have told them how grateful I am. <laughs> I know they've heard up for people always thanking them for things, but <coughs> but um yeah, I, I think I'd like to think they they know and appreciate it. So we're we're oh, I I honestly can't thank them enough for this so
4: I was I was going to say, I don't know how often Rich, I don't know, I mean me and you never FaceTime each other but I'm assuming that Mia and her dad normally FaceTime each other. Neil, what, is you getting a FaceTime call when Mia's on the top of a bus during a parade of about 40,000, the most strange call you've ever had?
6: Yeah, that was that was hilarious yeah, it was funny but uh, I don't know, it was just that day it was just perfect wasn't it, you know, for everyone you know, not just the, not just the, the women's team but just the way it was organised, you know, they it, it couldn't have, it couldn't have gone any better. The weather stayed nice for us, didn't it? Um, and, and literally, I think everybody in Wrexham came out for it. So um, to get to get that video call, <clears throat> excuse me, with Mia, because I'd been trying to ring her all night to say enjoy yourself and have a nice time. And then next thing, Mister uh, Mister Chairman pops up, doesn't he? So it was nice to say hello to Rob briefly. Um, didn't get to speak to Ryan, but, but Rob was, uh, was a good laugh as
4: usual. Yeah. And I me, mean, it was great that I, I thought it was great that they were also on again, just on with the women's team and could easily have just, you know, gone on with the men's team and maybe put them as the front boss and everything. They actually, they're they not, it's not a one, you know, throwaway. Let's let Blake sponsor the women's kit, Betty buzz or whatever. They are really trying to raise a profile and they know it, they know it as well, you know, and, uh, I know we were having a laugh about Rob and your dad or whatever, but did you manage to get, during that, any conversations with them just you know, person to person, just without the glitz and the glamour of everyone wanting their attention?
5: Yeah, um, you know, I, I found the moment to just go over to both of them and just personally thank them for not only the women's, but just for the help in the town as a whole, you know, what they've done is, you can't put it into words, and what they continue to do as well, because it doesn't look like they're going anywhere anytime um, and you know they they're both just amazing guys as you two both know so um so yeah it's just i'm excited to see what the next chapter holds with them at the at the helm and yeah like you say that they're, they're invested in, in the in the home club not just you know the men's side and um, hopefully going forward they'll, they'll show still um, show some more interest in the academy and the youth football and all that comes with that but but yeah you know like like the country car being at some of our games and him ringing Rob at the end and telling him scores and what's happened. Little things like that, people
4: don't see, but it's it's unbelievable. And yeah, they're just what was the parade like though? Just what you know, the, the the parade looking out on that though, just like looking out at this like sea of, I, I can't I can't imagine what that would have been like. Just uh, these streets that we've seen forever and we've walked up and down, were just like you know. I know you two have, have, have been to Liverpool and see, and that's more common where we see these massive crowds. This is Wrexham. Talking about who just got promoted and you're on the bus, it must have been one of the most surreal experiences of your life.
5: No, it wasn't. It was like I think a few people have said it, whether it's men's teams or women's, women's players, but you know, every corner you turned, it was just floods and floods of fans, and just it didn't seem like it was stopping anytime soon. I can't even remember how many hours we were on the bus for because we kept up to stop because there were too many people, but um, I think a few people nearly fell off the bus a few times, but luckily they did. Um, but no, it was it was genuinely just remarkable and um, honestly one of the most unbelievable nights and days of my life because you know that's a memory that I'll never forget and obviously I'm so lucky that it's been captured by so many people and on so many different angles and photographs. So yeah, I, I, I'm constantly finding new angles of me just gazing it right. <laughs> so um,
3: yeah.
0: Neil, touching there on the, the academy side of things as well, on both yeah. sides, the men's and the women's, how important is it for Wrexham fans to have local lads in the team particularly? I mean, we've seen Jake Bickerstaff score the weekend, we see Jordan Davis, reminds us all how good he is this season, Max has been brilliant the last few seasons, it does always mean a bit more, doesn't it, when they've come through the ranks?
6: Yeah, it does, and I think it's, um, I mean, it's the lifeblood, right, of of the football club because you can go back over the years and you know we've always always developed young footballers and 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 a number of years especially when we were in the sort of wilderness let's call it um, we lost out on a number of players as well so Liverpool came in Everton came in and Manchester City Manchester United and they picked up all this all this local talent you know and um, I actually saw you know one yesterday Nico Nico Williams I saw him yesterday and You know, players like that um, that that potentially could have been coming through our system, you know, and staying with us, you know, and going through the whole journey. So we we will, I believe, get back to it. Um, I think that's a big part of what Rob and Ryan believe in, and uh, I know they're going through obviously a transition at the moment with staff and, and the recruitment of new staff. So it'll be interesting to see who. Sort of leads the way on that in terms of who gets the academy director role because because that role will be pivotal in terms of knowing the local sort of um, the local football scene in many ways to to make sure that we're kind of mopping up the best talent at the youngest age uh, to ensure that they come into the club and the one thing that I'll say with Robin Ryan's involvement is players will think twice and parents will think twice about taking them elsewhere because there's a clear pathway for one. Uh, there's evidence of players having come through and then perhaps going on to bigger and better things. And that's fine. That's part of what, what the academy system's all about. So, you know, if we can, if we can get back to somewhere near what we used to have, um, under the sort of stewardship of, uh, of Flynnie and the likes of Cliff Sear and Joey and, uh, and Brian prandle and people like that, then we won't go far wrong um, in terms of the women's that that's got to be another sort of, sort of natural progression in terms of um, how we, how we keep moving forward and, uh, and try and keep up with, you know, the, the W the women's premier league and, you know the teams that are sort of monopolizing that from the the higher echelons of the of the premier league and that so um yeah i think um you know i think it's important that that the club do pay massive attention to local talent i'm a big fan of jordan davis you know i think max has been uh, has been tremendous as well uh, and then you got young jake who's come in and i absolutely love the way that jake plays because He's just got no fear. Um, I love that about him. He's a goal scorer. You can see that. And and I think, you know, there's a bit of talk about it. But will he go on loan? Will he? I just think he might be one of those that you just persevere with him. I see a little bit of Andy Morell in him. And and it's like, you know, Andy took a little while to settle in, and and then when he did, look where he look what Andy did. You know, he was kind of record goal scorer for for a number of years, and. You know, forming partnerships like he did with Truns and people like that. So, yeah, I think uh, I think it'd be interesting to see uh, to see how he develops, young Jake. And you know, at some point, Jordan is going to get an opportunity. And you know, if players are not doing it, Parky'll change it. And the one thing with Jordan is he's got a goal in him. You know, he he does score goals as well from that midfield position. So, if you've got in if you've got that in your armory, then um, you know you're not you're not uh, you're not doing too bad,
4: Rich. I feel like people are going to come for me now because I was like leading, banging the drum to get Jake Bigstaff out on loan because my reasoning was, and I'm I'm going mm. to reiterate this to Neil, is that when Mulling comes, I I think we're seeing the benefit of somebody playing 75, 80 minutes, right? Like that's my logic yeah. that he's developing, yeah. he's getting better by playing that many minutes. When Molly mm. comes back, he's not. I don't think personally he's going to get those minutes. So I don't know whether. So, two, I said totally this, there's agree. two schools of thought I said the other week, didn't I? Yeah. You know, I think there's that Phil Foden keep and just develop internally, or let yeah. him play for Solly or Moores and play eighty five minutes a game.
6: Yeah, and 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 I think that, you know, that is, is a is a conversation that needs to be had, I think, with Parkey and, and the player and the player's representatives, because ultimately it depends on the level that he's gonna go to and get the minutes, right? Because There's one thing going on loan and a lot of people say there's no such thing as a bad loan. Well, I can tell you, I can guarantee you there is. There is a bad thing as a loan because it does happen. I've had one myself and I've been on a couple of loans, but one of them was really not great. And and all I would say on it is that even for him to be sort of third choice behind Ollie and Moles, he'll still get minutes. Because I think what you're seeing with the likes of Oli is that maybe he'll play. I I always look at him and think around the 70 minute mark. I'm not sure whether, you know, he, he's fully sort of, you know, um, gonna gonna see out the 90 minutes. So to have somebody like Jake come off the bench, he'll score a goal for you. He will. He'll score. And it might be interesting to see what he's like with Mullers as well. That's the other thing. You know, it's a different dynamic for defenders to deal with and. Um, I just, I, I just be a little bit wary about letting him go yet because he's still a baby, and I think he would develop a lot quicker with us. Maybe next year might be a loan for him. That's the, and then you get a better quality loan for him then, see. So uh, if he's a, if we can get up a division higher sort of thing, he comes with a better caliber, you know.
4: Rich, uh, Rich. One thing I'm not going to do is sit here with a straight face and disagree with uh, an ex-Wrexham player on whether we should go on loan or not. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave that. And I, no, I agree. Look, I think there's, there's merits to both sides. If, if he's going to be the third choice and it is, you know, ahead of if he's leapfrogged Sam and and Billy, which in the eyes mm. of many he has now. Early mm. on, I mean, others might say Sam's still there. Um, you know, he's gonna get, he's gonna get minutes. Look at Sam Dolby ended up replacing Ollie Palmer last season. Exactly. Yeah. For, most of it and, no. st- and started the season opener so at the end of the day Parky's proven if you're gonna if you're good enough then you're gonna play um I quickly before we moved on to the documentary maybe well actually I'll, I'll say it now We've we, you know we're recording this today the day Ben Foster's gone Mia how gutted one to ten were you that, that Ben Foster's called it a day because I saw you you obviously met him you've been able to chat to him big big mm-hmm. big shock really in the Wrexham world today yeah I
5: was massively shocked to be honest like I think you could definitely tell there wasn't something quite right on Saturday. I'm I'm not sure if oh, I've seen quite a few people say it on Twitter and stuff, but for me, it didn't look right. You know, after he conceded, there wasn't there wasn't a reaction. I, I don't know. It just didn't seem there was something not right for me. Um, and don't get me wrong, I don't think all five five goals were his fault at all. Like not at all. I think they were very clinical. <laughs> but thought Charlie Austin um, was very clinical. You know, first half especially, or so the, the second or whatever. But um, But, um, no, I was very shocked, but, you know, he's, he's old enough to make them decisions. He, is, his body, he knows but it's not right. Um, I think, it's, you know, it's a shame that maybe he didn't realise that a few weeks ago, but, you know, you can't, you can't turn back time. So, um, no, I think fair play to him. He's, he's stood up and he's made this decision. And, yeah, I, I hope he enjoys his retirement and gets to as many wrestling games as he can in the future
4: rich i was just going to ask mia about a couple of people one of which is a goalkeeper but a few of her teammates and kind of because we want to show some love to the women's team we've had megan on recently she was talking about the new season but yeah. uh dell morgan I, I was thinking back to the the britain ferry game where she just played an absolute blinder um kim mm-hmm. dutton who's also been let go if people haven't realized that it's a real shame for kim as well um maybe if we pick on those two Del in goal because you've played in front of her I mean, she had the game of her life against Britain Ferry, where it was, you know, winner takes it all, basically.
5: Yeah, I mean that that game was, you know, probably one of the toughest games I've ever had to play. And um, maybe minus when we had Swansea in season four last, where we got absolutely hammered. But we won't discuss that one. No, that that was, yeah, it was unbelievable. I mean, especially as a as a defender. Um, knowing you've got someone like Del behind you who's constantly speaking to you, you know, constantly shouting at you whether it's good or bad. That's what you want as a defender, isn't it? So, um, she also gives you so much confidence knowing she's she's there. And yeah, I mean, I thought we did okay defensively that day, but without Del in goal, we wouldn't we wouldn't have kept the clean sheet, you know, at all. So, um, we're very lucky, very lucky to have her. And, um, you know, her, obviously her role at Liverpool at the moment that's only given her more experience and. Um, allowing her to bring that to Wrexham, which is which is great as well.
4: And and Kim, you know, a word on her captaincy because, like I say, she's going to go down in 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 Wrexham history as a as a captain, and a shame. You know, we'll get onto your own circumstance, but a real shame that she's not going to be part of it moving forward.
5: Yeah, definitely. I think you know she was obviously captain when I came into the first team, and she was one of the girls who immediately you know takes you under your wing and. Sort of obviously being a Wrexham fan herself since she was since the day she was born, she you know you can tell when she plays on the pitch, and um, I think that's one thing you've got to, you've got to give Kim she she'd actually absolutely die for for that badge, <laughs> you know um there's not many people who not many footballers who, who can say that so um yeah I think it's a massive loss for the club to lose Kim and um, you know not only is she a great footballer she's a great great person as well and um, yeah the, I can't
4: talk highly enough about it to be honest. And and then I guess for, the, for both of you, when we talk about both sides of it—being the parent and and the player—finding out you you weren't going to be part of it moving forward, me—I mean, must have been gut wrenching because this is your football club. You know, this is you're the fan of this football club, and you got to play for it, and to find out you're not involved moving forward. I mean, how difficult was that? Yeah, it was really
5: difficult. No, I'm not gonna. Not gonna lie, <laughs> it was horrible. But um, you know, I'm I'm in a position where obviously I've got someone like my dad who's, who's been through a similar experience, and that's obviously I'm very lucky to have someone like that, you know, round my shoulder who, who can guide me through the process and um, help me. Obviously, it helps even my dad as well, so he's, he's gonna be there anyway. But um, but no, it's you know, it's it's not nice, but it's it's football. at The end of the day, I, I'm not gonna hold any regrets. I. I absolutely feel so lucky to have been part of, you know, a piece of history in a way and, you know, no one can ever take that away from me and, um, yeah, I'm going to continue supporting the girls through this season. I don't think a student loan will, will get me to many away games because <laughs> how are far away they are, but, um, you know, I'm going to try and, try and get to as many as possible and hopefully help from the sidelines and, you know, um, I'm really excited to see what, what they achieve this year and, you know, there's a great group of girls and,
4: I can only watch really uh, and and Neil, I mean, guess for you. I've got another question to follow up, but for you, just the immediate, yeah. you know, me has been let go. It, you 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 have to pick up the. You know how horrible that is for any player at any age.
6: Yeah, it's yeah, it's obviously a difficult one. I've um, I've not really spoken too much about it. When I've been asked, I've kind of. I've kind of uh, tried to avoid the question in many ways because um, because it's really important. I think for me, it's it's just um, it's it's probably another stepping stone or learning curve for the for the club as well. That you know when when these sort of situations are happening, which is going to happen every year with your retain and release um, situation, um, the the emphasis always needs to be on the on the ones that are released you know it's it's a really easy conversation telling someone they've got a contract um what's not so easy is the <clears throat> maybe the process and the um and the way that the players are told they're not getting one you know it's it's so important that that bit is right um and yeah the you know it's it's one of those things that i've been through myself, and, and that wasn't um. Yeah. When I went through, it wasn't handled very well. Um, different personnel at the football club now, so you know I'm sure it's going to get you know a lot better um, as time goes by. Um has done what so many thousands of young girls and boys have dreamt and have you know they're going to come long after we've gone as well. That they want to play for their hometown club and pull on that that red jersey and uh and she's done it and she's done it and she's done it she's done it superbly well she's lifted trophies she's rubbing shoulders with celebrities and uh in the likes of Robin ryan and um yeah i i just you know the biggest thing for me is that the way that she's done it and handled everything that comes with it she's done it you know with aplomb really and uh you know, i'm just again you know super proud
0: I was going to ask you, Mia, what, 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 what is next for you, Mia? I mean, like you said, you, know, you seem like you've not certainly not given up the dream or anything. You absolutely love playing football. You've already done so much. That is the motivation to go again, isn't it, really? and Do you feel like you're in a, a good place now to, to go get a new club to be playing regular football again?
5: Yeah, definitely. I'm, um, at the moment, due to start uh, university in September in Manchester, in, involved in the football world, doing a, a football business course. So hoping to, you know, maybe one day come back
6: and take the hot seat at uh at <laughs> probably
5: not. Um but uh Lockout flirt. Look out flirt. No. <laughs> but uh um, but uh yeah, just hoping obviously hoping to find a club maybe around that area. So so we will see. You know, I, I think obviously I'd love to one day pull that wrecks and shit on again but um yeah, I'm just gonna just gonna see what happens and, you know, just find a find a club hopefully again and play this on my face like, like I always try and
0: do. So, you know, I'm excited, I'm, I'm excited to you the Maybe we could have our first ever rector father daughter Management team. Who would be who be assistant?
6: <coughs> Definitely be me, wouldn't it? I'd have to be number two. <laughs> I can't be number one. I
0: was going to say, heading into this, this new season for both teams, uh, what are what are your expectations then? I mean, me, maybe for the women's team, maybe you, what what do you expect from them in this first campaign in, in the higher league, which is gonna be a real test, isn't it? A real learning curve.
5: Oh, it's gonna be a massive step up. I think not only because of the caliber of club, but you've got to take into account the travel they're gonna to have to do and everything that comes with that, because that's gonna be you know massive. I think it's gonna take some real getting used to. Um, I think we saw you. You know, I followed the the top leagues for the last you know two years now, and. Um, I think you noticed know, it with TNS a bit, where when they first started, obviously because they're one of the more northern teams, and not many other than in their family. But um, you know, they, they struggled at the first, but soon found their feet, and they're now doing really well. So hopefully we can do the same. I, I think it's going to be a real challenge, I really do. But you know, I have a lot of faith in the girls, and um, I know they're determined. After you know, having a few preseason sessions with them, and, um, and yeah, I just I just hope they, they go out there and give it their all and really really push. And, Make
4: some more for the club. Oh, Rich, I was going to say. Well, I mean, if, if Neil wants to answer about the the men's team, I mean, but then I'll, I'll throw it to my next question. Yeah. But Neil, what do you reckon about the men's team? Because it's been a we've we've conceded a hell of a lot of goals, the most of anyone in league Two.
6: Yeah, yeah. I um. Well, I'm still. I haven't changed what I, I said a couple of months back. Is that is for me? Is that if we can get in those playoffs, then then it's been an unbelievable season because. Um, the teams, the calibre of teams that we're coming up against, I think, I think, I think those that probably know and have followed a little bit more around the sort of league football, uh, won't be surprised. But um, I think it's surprised a lot of people just how how good teams are, and you know, there's there's a lot of you know, you see Charlie on Saturday playing playing for Swindon, you know, Swindon's manager, really experienced manager, Michael Flynn, who's, you know, he's been around the block and, you know, been successful everywhere he's been sort of thing. And, you know, then we will go and play Bradford or, you know, you got Mark Hughes and, you know, the firepower that they've got. And it's, you look at every sort of game on its own merits. So, you you know, you're never really kind of saying, oh, looking too far ahead. You're kind of going, let's just take one game at a time. And, you know, we're we've obviously conceded a lot of goals um that is a concern um you know we'll always score goals i don't think that's ever in doubt but if we can if we can do some if we can do something about con- the amount we're conceding then you know i have got no i've got no worries about us sort of finishing finishing in the top sort of seven uh, whatever it is no it'll be eight or it? It? Oh, nine sorry because three go up isn't it so you know, as long as we can get in those, uh, you know, those playoff positions, then, you know, I'll be more than happy this season.
4: Yeah, we'll just get Mia to go in, Rich, and give some sort of uh, defending hairdryer to, uh, you know, she can say, I- I've uh, I've gone on and won at the race course in a one-on-one. Um, and then Neil can come in if we ever score struggling for goals. Um, but the, the, the real one is, the question for me is, we talked before we came on about the documentary. You're both going to be on it. You were on the trailer. Season two is coming up. Firstly, how did it come about? Are you, you know, are, you, are you looking forward to it? I mean, we're really excited, but we're not in it. So you know, we, we, we can shy away from the camera, not you two.
5: Yeah, massively excited. Obviously, there's definitely a sense of nerves. I think <laughs> there were a few few, um, <laughs> yeah, a bit, a few shocked faces when, when the trailer came out after the show um, and realised that they hadn't actually deleted all the footage. <laughs> but, um, but uh, no, it's it's really exciting. I think um, obviously for them to them to show just a part of the women's section is, is massive. I think the exposure that gives women's football is huge. You know what what clubs a club at that, that sort of level can get that sort of exposure it's it's ridiculous really. And um, so that's massive in itself. But you know I think um for we spoke to him a few times. Obviously we don't know what's what's made the cut or anything like that. But um but yeah. What I will say is, you know, I'm really excited for it because I just know from what's been captured on the ground. It's, I mean, we all do, really, don't we, of how the season goes, but for how they're going to shape it and edit it and put it all together, I'm just so excited to see, you know, so many of things happen that season in so many different angles. You know, you look of that Ben Foster save, you know, the bus parade. I'm personally very excited to see what Billy Sharp said in, in the tunnel. Um, you know, there's, there's there's so many
6: things. So um, yeah, I'm really excited. I'm absolutely dreading it. I burnt it. I made a. I made a. I made a beans on toast on um, on the day of the final, didn't I? And I burnt. I burnt the toast. So it was like, oh, God. It was like the worst moment of my life because I was like, they're going to use that. I know they're going to use that. Like, so can't even make a
3: piece of toast.
4: <laughs> that is that, um, that's the only bit that probably makes it but you speaking to the camera and then oh, you yeah. in a bit it cuts to the burnt toast probably yeah. um but they were i love the idea that i love the idea that i love the idea that mia going to go to campus go around manchester and she's going to be people because the amount of people that watch this documentary is insane so Mia's <laughs> going to be walking around and they'll be like she looks familiar and then they'll, they'll click <laughs> maybe like yeah, episode four. Welcome to Rex, and that's that's where she's from. I, I know where is. Um But Humphrey was on the other week, and he was saying that the first episode on the women's team, he says, is one of the best in there. So I'm I'm really excited to. Uh, I'm mm. probably more excited now. I know that Neil's burnt some toast that May and <laughs> <laughs> That's that's livened up for me a bit.
0: Uh, ask, yeah. So, Mia, where did where did your video editing skills come from? You're like Steven Spielberg on Twitter, aren't you? With your uh, your montages.
5: Oh, I'm not sure about that but um I'll i t- I'll certainly take it. I'll, t- I'll take it. I'll hold that to the end
6: of
5: just the reviews. Um no no it was it was just something I've always had like a little interest in making like little home movies I suppose, just little fun like iMovies movies and my siblings and stuff. And um it was I watched the Elvis film actually and I don't know why that If I can dream song just really stood out to me for some reason. I just had it on repeat for weeks and obviously it was during the season and I just started putting some clips together, so just was doing it week by week. If you know we had a good result, I put some bits and from Amy days of triple A in and whatever, because she captures some of the best moments. You know, well, of course she does. So um, you know, try to involve them, and then got to the end of the season, and I was like, wow, I've actually i actually done something decent, here So um, decided to work it on Twitter, and you know, we got some got some decent interactions, a few follows, so we take that. <laughs>
4: Yeah, I was gonna. Oh, I love that. I, I love that. Mia is the most humble person we've ever had on. Rich, my head would be the size of Wrexham. I think <laughs> if I'd played at Wrexham for one, which I, I'm rubbish. You're actually quite good at football, Rich. You have played at Old Trafford. You'd be all right. I'd Doesn't be absolutely. I'm. I'm not even fit enough for the part, mate. I, I'm terrible for that. <laughs> I just need to stay behind the microphone. Um, so if I'd played at Wrexham, if I made the documentary trailer, or. Uh, to be honest, if I'd if I'd had burnt toast in the documentary, I, my head would be out. There, it'd be out. There, it wouldn't fit through <laughs> the door, mate. Um, so, have you got, have we got any final questions then for for Neil or Mia? Because we've asked them what's next. we've Asked them about the documentary. I, I guess lastly, for me though, how much did you film? How much access did they did they sort of take from you? Because we know they filmed so much stuff. Mm. I mean, is there lows that that you did that that probably won't make it?
5: Um, I imagine so. Yeah, obviously, I got to know the. The, the guys really well, and they're honestly the most amazing people, I really can't, you know, pick them up enough, I think that comes across, in what they've captured, because they, they just get it, they just do, they, they're just, all reps and fans now, and I think that shows them, what what they've captured, they're obviously very good at their jobs, but, you know, they also just, they do get, they just get it, um, and, yeah, they, they just made it really easy, we had, um, a few conversations, you know, they came, they came, uh, to our house and did a few in with of there and then obviously they came to a few of the few women's games training sessions so yeah it'll be interesting to see what, what they use and um, yeah I'm, I'm nervous but very excited to see, see what, what they put
0: out Yeah I suppose as well the final ones you know you both love Wrexham so much is there a better team to play for now in world football than, than Wrexham you know it's the talk of town. it's on the internet every single week how proud are you that, like, you know, we've always said that to get all that lead we probably needed money. We need someone to win the lottery or whatever. But to have the exposure and the commitment to the community and to the culture of North Wales and to Wales in general, can you put it to words what the last two, two and a half years have been like for, for both of you, really? You first? Not
6: really.
5: I mean, I said to a few people, you know, just after the season ended, I think it's was a the bus parade. and. You know, a lot of people are asking, can you, like, put it into words? And I just think I've, I think I've peaked, I think i peaked at 19, to be honest, I really don't know what more I can do in my life stop <laughs> it, which sounds a bit sad in a way, but it's also amazing, because I've done these things. Um, so, you so, know, I, honestly, I think, um, yeah, I, I, I really do struggle to put it into words, because um, obviously to play for your home club is, is one thing, but for what the club's been able to do over these last, However many years is, is ridiculous, and to be a part of that has been very special and something you know I'll never take for granted, and um, yeah, I'm very privileged to have to have been part of it.
6: I can't top that, can I? What what she's what she said really, and I, I, the only thing I'd add is that um, how nice the people are in terms of you know the the likes of Humphrey that's come in. Obviously Rob and Ryan and they just let like me they get it and they get the people and they get the the importance of what it means to us as a town ta- as a town, as a city. Um and and I love that bit I do because they just see you know, we needed everybody I think in Wrexham needed somebody who was honest, trustworthy, all those sort of buzzwords that we just we were clinging for, weren't we? And I think it's one thing having money; it's another thing having money in class. And I think they've got bags of, of both of them. You know, it's it. They just kind of they they just knocked it out of the park for me. And um, you know, long may it continue. Um, and I think it will. I believe them. And that's the that's that's the nice thing is having belief for once, isn't it? You know, as a Wrexham supporter, so um, it must be. Uh, it must be absolutely out of this world to be a young four or five year old who's getting their first shirt and seeing Deadpool as the owner of their football club, right? That's, you know, it's magical, isn't it? They haven't suffered, have they? They haven't suffered.
0: that's,
6: That's what I mean. And, but that's, that's great. Because what you'll have is a, is a really, really unbelievable demographic of whatever the last couple of years, kids that are starting to become fans that, it, they, they get used to success and success breeds success. And hopefully it's, you know, it's something that, that carries on and continues. So, um, yeah, I uh, yeah I can't speak highly enough about the owners and, uh, and the fans, you know, look at what we make the race course. I've seen a number of every fan that comes, you know, every fan that gives a genuine opinion will say it's the place is rocking. Um, there were Swindon fans on the weekend, wasn't there? I've seen a few things out, out on social media saying that, uh, that the place is absolutely jumping. And that's what we want. It's uh, I don't think it's going to change uh, anytime soon. So, all good.
0: So that's all for today's episode of Rob Ryan Red. A massive thank you to Red 10 People Development for their continued support of the podcast. Without them, we simply wouldn't be able to keep it going And certainly wouldn't be able to continue in the weeks going ahead either. And a massive thank you to Rex and Bass Band Hypnotic for the music, the stings that they let us use in the show as well. Once again, thank you as well. A review and a like is the best way to give back to the podcast. Take care, and we'll see you again next time. It's the 90th minute. All your mates are around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
5: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.